0: And we'll also be opening the phone lines to see how listeners are uh, coping with the crisis in the last part of the show. My regular guests on this Elections 2020 edition of Main Currents are with me again today. I believe we have by phone. We don't yet. Okay, that's why I was checking. Uh, We are going to be having by phone joining us Professor Amy Freed the uh, chair of the Department of Political Sciences at the University of Maine. And Ralph Chapman is here with me in the studio. Welcome back, Ralph.
1: Hi, Amy. It's good to be here again.
0: He's a former state legislator who served four terms as a state representative for Blue Hill and the surrounding towns in Hancock County. He served first as a Democrat and then as an independent and finally as a Green Party member. Uh, We're getting Amy Freed on the phone now. And I believe school is out, so she is uh, working from home and kind of sheltering in place because she's also traveled recently. We have her now. Welcome back, Amy Freed. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Hanging in there. Good. We have Ralph here, too. I don't know if you heard that while we were getting you on the phone. Ralph's back as well. Hi, Amy. Oh, hi, Ralph. How are you? So these folks are my regulars on this elections 2020 edition. And and when we left off, when we last met last month, we hadn't – I can't remember if the main primaries had taken place. I think we were right before the primaries. It all seemed so long ago.
1: It was before the primary.
0: It was. Okay. So before we get into the coronavirus, which I think is the only thing many of us can think about, and the impact on the elections, the potential impact is huge – uh, before we get lost in that, just to t- loop back chronologically to start at the beginning of where we left off last time. And, Amy, how did things work out? It, w- it was like a week in my town, which is not very big, had still not completed their count. So where did things land, and how were the delegates going to be added up?
2: Uh, well, the last uh, month or so, really, actually, since Super Tuesday, um, and well, even starting before the South Carolina primary this Saturday before, have been really, really positive for Joe Biden's candidacy. He's won uh, you know, quite a lot of the contests. Um, Bernie Sanders has won a lot fewer. And um, you also have a situation where the primaries that are gonna be held today are all expected for Biden to win, although it's an odd situation because Uh, For one thing, Ohio's primary was canceled um, and then also or, well, moved ahead, actually. And then the but and the uh, the turnout might be a little bit odd, given people not wanting to come out and wait on line um, this time. Uh, But those were all expected to be good states for Biden Um, with Maine. The you know, Biden did end up winning that as well. One thing that I'll point to without trying to go on too long in my response is that we have a situation where there were several states that had had caucuses previously uh, in this last set of them that, that then went to primaries. And all of those were states that Bernie Sanders had won back in 2016, and then ended up winning in 2020. And one of them, of course, was Maine.
0: So what were the final results, though? How how does it, uh, and then how do they get split up? I know we have a kind of strange system here, I think, compared to some other states. Well,
2: um, every state has to file its own um, plan with the Democratic National Committee. It has to be consistent. With the rules of the Democratic National Committee. So um, it, it may seem like, actually, in some ways, our system is less odd for this than it is for, for some other things, mm-hmm. like our electoral system. Um, the, what the Democratic National Committee does is there's a couple of interesting parts of it. I mean, one is that you have to get at least 15% to win delegates. Uh, so if you're under 15% in a state, even if it's a large state with lots of delegates, you, you know, let's say you get 10% or 12%, you're not going to get delegates out of that state. They so have to get at least 15%. And then there's no winner-take-all, which is unlike a lot of Republican primaries. We're not really seeing that in action this year because, you know, a lot of them don't really have primaries or they just have Trump is winning overwhelmingly. Um but um, really, they have a winner take all system in a number of primaries. The Democrats don't have that. So you have this proportionality principle. But the part that I think that most people really do not understand, even if they know those first two things, is that there's different pots of delegates that get apportioned within the same within the same state. So you have a certain number, that are based on the statewide vote and then you look at these sub areas within the state usually congressional districts and you can divide those up as well Um, so somebody could do you know let's say they get 55 percent statewide but they win one congressional district overwhelmingly and other ones you know maybe just a little bit they they, they, it's going to affect how many delegates they get and make it even more complicated different congressional districts have different numbers of delegates Um, there's a there's a formula that's used which is based on how Democratic that district has voted so if you have a congressional district that's an overwhelmingly Democratic congressional district you know it will vote it will get more delegates than ones that have fewer Um, and this actually helps Joe Biden.
0: So what's the final? and I can
2: explain what and I can explain that why it's simply because the ones that are more democratic are districts that tend to have a lot of African American voters. And um, so like Jim Clyburn's district in South Carolina gets eight it it has eight delegates just for that one congressional district and Biden wanted so strongly that he got six and Bernie got two. So in other words, he got four more than Bernie just from that one congressional district. But because they came very close in Vermont, um, like Bernie got like one extra delegate out of it. So when you look at who's picking up, or as we'd say netting out of a state, you have to look at what's happening in the districts as well. So how are Maine's going to be divvied up? I think they're gonna be almost completely evenly divided. Um, I I haven't seen the, the final number on it for Maine, but it would be very, very close just you know, just because uh that it wasn't like a, a giant lead for for Biden. Plus there are delegates there from candidates who are I I, I think Warren also qualified for a delegate. Um but it's going to be very close. It's not It's not any great advantage when it comes to delegates for one candidate versus another in Maine, which is different from a lot of other states um, where you're seeing some of them are very close and some of them you're seeing really big wins. But so far, the only person who's had really big wins in any state, that's especially a big state, is Joe Biden. And that's why he is um, ahead by a lot. He's ahead by more than 150 delegates and it just gets harder and harder to pull ahead if you're the other can you know the other candidate for Sanders to pull ahead because he would have to win big in right. big states well and it just does not look like that's gonna
0: happen well if we would had ranked choice voting I mean before Elizabeth Warren pulled out if you add the numbers for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren they in a lot of places were far exceeding Joe Biden And you have to wonder, you know, if the. I've heard some commentators on mainstream media say that this is definitely a mandate for moderate uh, policies. But on the other hand, the combined vote of Bernie Sanders plus Elizabeth Warren, I think, would indicate otherwise, don't you think?
2: It's really, it's gonna vary by the state, you know? I mean, there are other states where, like on Super Tuesday, um, well, Bloomberg, I believe, was still in, but. Had dropped out. Amy had dropped out. If you had taken Mayor Pete, Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bloomberg, and added it to Biden, and then compared to Sanders, Warren, there are a number of states where the moderates would have exceeded. So it's going to depend on the state. And the other thing is, the Warren voters, from what I've seen in the polls, are not as pro-Bernie as you would think. They're, you know, some of them they're very they're very even. Um, and I'm. I'm seeing that both in polling and then, you know, more anecdotally in my social media where I see friends of mine who were very strong Warren supporters, some of them going to Bernie and some of them going to Biden. So it's less overwhelming than you might think.
3: Okay.
2: Um, I, I think part of it is that there's different reasons why someone supports a candidate. So you could support Elizabeth Warren because of what, you know, maybe like You could think of it as ideology or... But you could also do it based on um, a kind of style, and I think she has a very pragmatic style despite being quite progressive, and in a way that is more consistent with with Biden. So I think, you know, I think there's different reasons why people support one candidate
0: versus another. All right. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Oh, sorry, Ralph, did you want to add to that?
1: Well, I think that our... uh, Increasing experience with ranked choice voting in Maine is going to bode well in the future for uh, uh, voters being able to express themselves in a, in a, in a reasonable way. I, I think the uh, political season so far nationally has actually uh, shown us uh, what, uh, why ranked choice voting would be a, a great way to go.
0: Sorry for all the crinkly noise in the background. We have these new little microphone covers. They look like little tiny shower caps, but you'd think that something that was made to go in a microphone wouldn't make so much noise to open. (laughs) Uh, So, shifting gears, I want to just check in with Ohio canceling or postponing their uh, their primary. And there's really no indication that things are going to get better anytime soon. I've been worried since the beginning of this about the impact on the general election in November. Hadn't even thought about the conventions. I mean, how is that going to work Mm -hmm. if you have delegates, people who can't travel, people who can't gather together? And I, I have reached out to the Maine's congressional delegation to ask them about whether plans are being put in place for trying to deal with, uh, you know, maybe if they start now, there can be some alternative voting arrangements made for November. But let me try to bring that to one question at a time. All right. So looking at November with the possibility of uh, the I don't think the current president would be heartbroken if he had some opportunity to postpone the elections and stay president as he wishes to be, is there anything to prevent that from happening? Yeah,
2: I mean, he really can't stay president as long as he wanted it, and you know, there's there's a his term of office ends at a certain point. So, um, you know, what ha- there's a lot of discussion about different things that could happen. But, I mean, his term of office does end on January 20th and another person becomes the, you know, or he continues his term or another person becomes the president. I think there's there going to have to be a more widespread adoption of vote by mail, though, um, because it very well could be that it'll be very hard to have in-person elections, even at that point in time. I know it's a long time from now, but I, it, it is definitely a possibility.
1: We're in unchartered territory here, so I, it, uh, I think the question is, are we able to adapt innovatively to a situation in which um, the, the two forces of doing things as a government means doing things together as a, as a people and preventing the spread of uh, an infectious disease is best done by keeping us separated. And that's in fundamental conflict. So how government can work while we're protecting ourselves and each other from a pandemic is a is an ongoing question. But I, I, I think that there uh, can be uh, effective and uh, reasonable ways to protect our democracy as, as well as our health.
0: Watching uh, cities be put on uh, in, in states having different rules, making rules about uh, uh, being put on curfew or shelter in place now in San Francisco. I mean, it starts looking, calling in military for support, uh, all so far for reasons that I think no one has much objection to. But this does kind of seem like it's looks a little bit like martial law. It looks like the lead up to something like that. Uh, And is there anything, though, that – I mean, yeah, his term ends, but if there are legitimate reasons to say we can't hold an effective election because we haven't planned in enough time to have the entire country voting by mail and to figure out how that system would work, then –
1: well we need what to happens? we need to develop those systems in time now we needed to develop the systems for the medical community to be able to take care of a pandemic in time, and, and we didn 't do that, right. so we will be suffering the consequences of that right. We needed to be able to explain to people what behavioral changes were needed early on in this uh, uh, in the pandemic. Uh, in order to uh, help uh, spread it out and, and lower its uh, immediate impact. And we didn't do that. So we're we're uh, playing catch up. Uh, and, um, and clearly, it could have been better. The question is, can we still make it so it isn't worse? I, I, I agree with you uh, that we have a fundamental difficulty of how to maintain uh, not only a democracy and not only our health, but we also would like to maintain some levels of personal privacy. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. in order to do good public health, we need to know who is ill and uh, how they're being uh, taken care of. Um, We need data collection, all of the models that are making predictions of what's going to happen and what measures can help uh, mitigate uh, the problems that are coming, uh, depend upon information about uh, how this particular virus works in in our society. And uh, we have to collect data to be able to do that. So all of these things are competing interests. Uh, Obviously, health uh, rises to the top.
0: If you're just and joining I, us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. My guest today are Professor Amy Freed from the University of Maine, chair of the Political Science Department and former four-time state representative Ralph Chapman from this area. Amy, uh, let me just quickly read what I of the congressional delegation I tweeted all of Maine's congressional delegation. Then I followed up with emails to uh, Collins and Golden, and I did hear back only from Representative Golden's office. And uh, I actually asked them about both the issue of finding some alternative way to possibly do the elections in November, and also another question that I keep hearing come up, which is people are being told to have a you know, more than a 30-day supply of their medications, their prescriptions mm. on hand. But insurance companies don't cover more than 30 days. They don't let you fill them more than, you know, a couple of days in advance. So I asked about both of those questions. I just want to quickly read his uh, representative's response. It says several states have already taken actions to postpone elections or close polling places for elections happening this week. Maine's next election is not until June 9th, and we are not aware of changes to election procedures in Maine at this time. However, the congressman believes we need to take all necessary precautions to protect the health and safety of Mainers while the coronavirus remains a threat. If public health officials recommend changing Maine's election procedures to promote public health, we should listen to them. So that's not exactly what I asked him, uh, but right. I didn't have time to follow up because that... Uh, response came in just a few minutes before we went to air in terms of the other question he says we are aware that many insurance plans only allow people to go home with a 30-day supply of certain medications at a time and this causes problems for many mainers especially seniors who are trying to take steps to limit their exposure to the coronavirus we're working to see if there's a way to address the issue with congressional or state action fortunately some insurers are already loosening the rules to allow for 90-day supplies and early refills, and some prescription by mail programs may also have that option depending on the insurance plan. If any constituent's having trouble accessing prescription medications, contact their office's casework team, and the Bangor office can be reached at two four nine seventy four hundred. So, sorry, Amy, I interrupted you there. Do you remember what you were going to add? Sure. Well,
2: this, was, this had to do with um, some of the elections issues, which is that that the thing about the terms of office of the president and vice president ending isn't actually just the law. It's in the Constitution. It's in the 20th Amendment. And it says the terms of the president and vice president shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. Um, and the terms of senators and representatives end before that on the third day of January. So, you know, I mean, it's just automatic that their terms are over and actually other parts of the constitution the new terms begin like we have this whole oath of office business but that's actually not a requirement i mean it's not what actually makes you president or congressman or senator you just become that at that time and you have also this oath of office and swearing in but that you know that that's more of uh uh you know just it's it's also in the constitution but it's not as meaningful really as like that moment that it happens. so it's going to happen that you know these terms then I I know that there is a senator uh, I believe it's Senator Merkley of Oregon where they do quite a lot of vote by mail that has proposed going to national vote by mail this year um, but even if that should not pass it can be done of course by particular states and I would think that there's some consideration of that right now I mean I don't really know but I, I it, you know would not be a bad idea if people <laughs> wanted to reach out to their state representatives and and say that they'd like to have vote by mail at
0: least for the June primary and then what about the conventions and what happens if the delegates who were selected uh, are not able to travel I mean uh, yeah, how does that get I, reconfigured? Because those come up by the summer.
2: I think they're going to have to have, uh, or very, very likely, there's going to have to be some kind of virtual process. You know, something that where people will participate more from afar because um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, before even the national party conventions, there's state conventions. I know that there's a state convention that was planned by the Democrats to be in Bangor, um, I believe in May, Um, and then the national convention, the Democratic convention, was planned for July, and the Republican for towards the very end of the summer. Um, So you know, in North Carolina, and I, so, so I, I think they they might have to go to some other, some other system. Now, at this point, it looks like there won't be any kind of contested convention, which is something that we've talked about before when it looked possible. At this point, it doesn't look like there would be. So if there isn't, at least that makes it simpler. You know, you don't have to go through any kind of process of multiple votes and people maybe they don't trust that it's happening the way that it happens unless people are there in person um but i i think it's certainly possible those will get those will get cancelled all of those conventions in terms of a face-to-face process Mm -hmm. but the rules of the parties do require some kind of nomination process and vote through a convention so they'll have to have some alternative
1: Right. we're talking about a lot of dates here and one of the things that we should understand is the best modeling at the moment is showing the peak of the epidemic is going to occur at some time and that time might be able to be delayed if we do a lot of the uh, preventative measures that have been discussed in just recent days but the uh, th- that peak might occur as early as uh, the end of May, beginning of June. It might be able to be delayed until uh, uh, even mid-July, but that the peak is when it's sort of half over, and then we go uh, several more months so that we're st- still seeing um, uh, deaths per day happening uh, in the August uh, time frame to september time frame so these are the kinds of things that the best modeling today is showing now the models of course have uncertainties to them and as as the data comes in as we progress we'll know better next week than we do this week uh, and and that continues on throughout the epidemic but um the things that people are planning for uh, for may and june um let's just understand those are off the table. going
0: can happen, right? Amy, any quick last thoughts before we let you go today? Uh, no. I mean, it's just yeah, we certainly are in a time of
2: <laughs> a lot of uncertainty and and I think people are just going to have to be rolling with the rolling with the punches, but I I do think it is important to have as much transparency as possible when it comes to what's going on. I I like how some the main cdc is handling things they're having regular press conferences they have they're posting data on their website um, and um, some of those are attended by the governor as well uh, so I, I i think uh you know there there's a lot of professionalism in what we're seeing like people really working very very hard and carefully it, it but it, if this does go on for quite a a while i think You know, it's going to be obviously getting more difficult for people, both emotionally and just in terms of our day-to-day needs. And I'm really glad to see, you know, different people reaching out to to try to help each other in the community.
0: Thanks for joining us today. That's uh, Professor Amy Freed. She's uh, not going to be with us for the entire hour this time around because we do have just one phone line. We've, we're going to be talking with some other folks. But she is the head of the political science department at University of Maine. And I have still in the studio with me uh, former state representative Ralph Chapman, who heard him rattling off some science there. I never talk about your science background when I introduce you. I probably should. you want to say a little bit about that real quick before we talk with Mr. Well, Mr. Matt Murphy who just popped in?
1: Well, sh- Surely I'm, I'm a scientist, but I'm an applied physicist. So uh, these matters of epidemiology and, and uh, infectious diseases are way outside of my uh, area of expertise. But I, I do like to look at data, and I do like to analyze it, and I do know how to uh, do some research work. And so I have in front of me a variety of graphs and, and the like, uh, ones that I've prepared and analyzed, as well as ones uh, from the literature. Great,
0: Thank you. And uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Cass Clem, the founder of the Maine Coronavirus Support Group on Facebook in just a moment. And after we talk with her, we'll be opening the phone lines until the end of the program. But first, uh, Matt Murphy has joined me in the studio because we're going to just let you know a little bit about how the station is handling things, trying to keep everyone safe. And actually, this will probably be the last live public affairs program that you hear here on WERU for a while. What else, Matt, what should people be aware of?
4: Well, we're obviously doing everything we possibly can to keep people here safe, staff and volunteers, uh, while also staying on the air. Our our way of being able to uh, help other folks in the community is to stay on the air and do our thing. Um, Whether that's, you know, uh, uh, soothing people with some music they like or sharing information over the airwaves, whether it's national or we're working on a program like this with some uh, local perspectives and information. Um, You'll hear a lot of recorded shows over the next period of time. Uh, You already have. Um, These are being recorded at home by some of our uh, DJs um, who are learning how to do this. Um, Some of them are old shows that are in our archive, backup shows that are in our archive. And there are still a few uh, DJs who will be in the studio. Mostly in the morning, nights, and weekends, we're trying to keep as few people as we can in the building at any given time, Uh, trying to keep it below five if at all possible, and even uh, one in the building at a time is even better. Um, In the studios, we are wiping them down with the the antiseptic towels and everything you can think of um, in between every show. Uh, Every time a new person sits down, the whole place gets cleaned up. We have these, as Amy mentioned at the beginning of the show, these little shower cap covers for the end of the microphones
0: they're kind of cute actually
4: they are kind of cute and any, anything that we can smile at these days right. is good and so the, uh, the covers of the microphones are certainly smile worthy um we're also um, working on um, uh, emer- uh, further emergency planning, um, um, hoping and working hard to make sure that nobody gets sick at the station, but what if? And um, those plans are kind of in, in inside uh, operational things that are still evolving, so I won't really go into them other than letting people know that we, um, it, I had someone uh, the other day say, well, what happens if WERU staff gets sick? And so we're um, uh, all I could say at that time is we're working on a plan and we're uh, we're I still working but we out got... what
0: to do with the building if somebody's been in it that yes. turns up positively. Yes and
4: we're washing uh, you know cleaning surfaces uh, the door handles, light switches uh, anytime someone use a, uses uses a, a, a flat service, a counter service, um, trying to do that as as much as possible. Um, there and Amy mentioned there won't be um, um, live in the studio public affairs shows for a while. Again, that's in terms of uh, in an attempt to try to keep the numbers of people in the building down. Um, we also um, have less people um, in keeping the building numbers down. We have less people to engineer shows. We have There's all kinds of logistical issues with uh, keeping the building as empty as possible.
0: And um, we already have some folks who have decided just voluntarily they're going to a shelter-in-place, yes. that they're not coming to the station already. It's kind of put us a little bit short-staffed, but we do have a few people who are capable of producing programs from home for public affairs who will do that. Otherwise, yep. we have some nationally syndicated programs we'll put in.
4: And we're, we're you know, uh, uh, just before this show, uh, um, Amy, Joel, and I were kind of wrapping our brains around the idea of what else can we do to, to help the right. community with uh, with public affairs programs. So we're working on that, too, and thinking about About that, Um, we're we're not doing meetings at the station or volunteer trainings. We're doing a a, if our board or a committee needs to meet, we're doing that as as a video conferencing uh, uh, meeting, and. Let's see what one thing I'm behind on. Well, I'm behind on a lot of things. Um um you know the regular work has kind of been put aside, but uh, a newsletter to our listeners the the E-Wiru, um will be coming out in the next few days to uh share some of these things I've just shared over the airways to let people know what's happening here at the station and to uh hopefully have confidence that we can keep on the air. We're we're keeping our chins up about staying on the air and we're uh, really appreciating the feedback we're getting from from listeners that are saying you know like right on thanks for staying on the air and we're we're really working hard at that and we really appreciate the support some stations have no volunteers in the building whatsoever and one or two staff at any given time Uh, some have no staff and and they're just doing remote operation from somewhere else and just doing archive shows so we're trying to do a mix of that. It's really um, throughout the community radio sphere, there's lots of different things being tried, and we're keeping on top of those, and if there's a good idea, we're putting it into effect so um so that's in a nutshell that's what we're right. working on and we really uh you know on on behalf of the board and the staff want to wish everyone well out there health and safety um during this difficult time and we'll keep doing our thing as and much as we can watch
0: our website for updates yes
4: watch the website yeah. for updates and uh if uh there's someone on the air doing a show uh give them a call and say uh Give them a little encouragement, um, you know, that... Uh, if, if you the sh- can
0: figure out if it's a live show. If you can figure out <laughs> if a live show.
4: Yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot of shows that you won't know. Yeah. Um, and then there's others that will say um, that might mention 99.9 or might mention a holiday that obviously isn't taking place right now. Um, don't sweat it. We we know what's going on. It's just that they're pre-recorded shows. And some of them will uh, sound like they're coming from somebody's uh, living room because they will be, so... Yeah, we're going to have
0: people trying technology they haven't tried before, possibly. Yeah. Give them some slack there. It's a learning in a time of crisis kind of mode. Thanks, Matt, yeah. for coming in. All right.
4: Thank you, Amy.
0: All right. And so if you're just joining us again, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. That was station manager Matt Murphy, uh, former representative and applied physicist Ralph Chapman is here with me in the studio with lots of charts and graphs as we're Kind of talking about coronavirus and politics, and now we're moving more toward the coronavirus end of things. Uh, Joel Mann is in the studio. He'll start taking calls from we open the phone lines in just a few moments. But first, we wanted to check in with Cass Clem, founder of Maine Coronavirus Community Support Group. Are you with us, Cass?
5: Uh, yes, I'm here.
0: Thanks, thanks for joining us. So your Facebook group, I think you wrote within 72 hours, went from not existing to having over 8,000 followers?
5: Yes, that's right. So on Friday night, um, I created a group. I invited my closest friends, my roller derby team, and um, a couple other folks in my community. We had about 27 people. And then I woke up the next morning, we had 1,000 people. And then 72 hours later, we had over 8,000. And as of right now, we are about 40 people away from 12,000 members.
0: Wow. It's an extremely active group. I've been following it for a couple of days. But can you let listeners who may not have seen it yet Know what the mission is and what kinds of things people are posting in there?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So basically, we made this group because I wanted to make sure that we um, were kind of connecting with Mainers that needed assistance or kind of providing a space for people that wanted to help out so that they could, um, so they could find ways to directly interact with their community. Um, It is a group where you can post assistance requests, it's a group where you can kind of discuss what's going on. We've had a lot of people really engaging in in productive conversation around the total statewide response. Um, We also are lifting up other organizations and helping people get connected to some of the -the on-the-ground groups that have been doing this work for much longer um, and that are doing this work throughout the state of Maine. So we're really kind of serving as a funnel, I think, to everyone that wants to get involved, kind of funneling them into where you can get involved locally and how you can help um, as well as interacting on our actual facebook group with some direct assistance requests
0: and what are some of the direct assistance requests that you're hearing a lot
5: so we're getting a lot of people who um, maybe need help um, getting picking up prescriptions um, we're getting some folks who are in need of some of the supplies um, i know that a lot of mainers have seen that the stores have um, gone empty on the shelves for a lot of different things so we have a lot of folks who weren't able to get out, you know, during the rush and haven't been able to get some of the, some of the toilet paper, some of the toiletries or some of the canned food. And so we have people making direct requests for that. Um, There's also some requests for um, what to do about children and how to, um, how to educate at home. A lot of people are kind of learning how virtual education will, will work for the first time. So we actually have a lot of teachers in the group that are helping kind of coach people through that and providing a lot of really cool online resources. Um, We also have some groups who are lifting up um, a lot of the folks that are experiencing some anxiety and depression about what's going on. And we've got some anxiety support groups going on um, virtually where you can join in and and talk to some folks that are dealing with the same thing. So it's really an active community that's trying to reach all the different aspects um, of how Mainers are being affected right now.
0: I noticed yesterday someone yesterday or the day before had posted that they were feeling down and it would be helpful if people posted cute pictures of their pets and later someone had said, hey wait, there's some pets on here that didn't get liked, so people need to go back through and like. So there's definitely like that sort of emotional awareness of, you know, how it's impacting everybody going on in there, but a lot of practical assistance too. Ralph, you look like you were going to say something. Did you have a question?
1: I think this is a wonderful effort. Uh, Do do you have any future plans for uh, what to do with this as it's evolving?
5: I think right now our biggest thing is we want to connect people um, to all the amazing organizations locally because, you know, I started this on Friday night for my immediate community and I'm so grateful and it's made me so proud to be a Mainer to have all these people wanting to help. Um, so we've actually gotten a lot of outreach from different organizations. Um, so, for example, we're kind of partnering with the Maine, Maine People Alliance who has launched this amazing resource MainersTogether.com where they're able to um, support where you're able to submit requests for assistance or volunteer. Um, so really, we just want to kind of serve as a web to really connect people to all the different groups that are doing um, such amazing work. And this has really become, you know, this is not about me. Um, this has become such a collective movement, a collective group. I could not have done it without the people that have been assisting me and all the members. It's all the people in the group that are talking, that are engaging, that are just being so loving for one, of the, one another. I mean, that's, that's, that's who makes this group possible.
0: All right. Uh, any last thoughts before we let you go and open the phone lines? No.
5: Nope. So, I mean, if anyone wants to check us out on Facebook, it's at Maine Coronavirus Community Assistance. We welcome you. Um, and if anyone has any suggestions for ways that we can get involved, if there's any local community organizers or organizations that want to help or that need our support, we're here for you and what we want to figure out how we can use our
0: energy to help you. Great. Thank you.
5: Thank you.
0: That's Cass Clem. Again, the Facebook page is Maine Coronavirus Support Group. And uh, the Maine People's Alliance group that's doing a similar kind of thing that she mentioned is MainersTogether.com. So uh, we're opening the phone lines now. The number is 469-0500. Call and let us know what's happening with you how you're getting through all of this, and uh, we don't have any experts here to answer questions necessarily. Ralph has some really good predictive measurements here, so you may be able to talk to that.
1: Sure, and uh, Amy, I'd like to explain one local news piece uh, in the last few days uh, because I think it's important. As you know, in the legislature, I was always interested in how science could be Brought in to help the public policymaking process. You were very
0: helpful with that during the whole mining debate. Well,
1: thank you. (laughs) In any event, uh, regardless of my successes or failures in that regard, uh, one of the members, one of the scientists in our community, took it upon himself to communicate with a school board in uh, Mount Desert Island uh, with some information uh, about data analysis involving the current uh, uh, pandemic and what implications that had for why the school should be closed. And I heard on the main news last night that the school closures around the state started with the MDI school. And I'm guessing that the scientist uh, was re- had an instrumental role in, to play in having started that off. And let me explain just real quickly what The message was that he was trying to provide, um, not to create any panic or otherwise, but he was pointing out from looking at the data that the uh, virus has been circulating in the community without reported cases for, uh, he, he thinks, almost certainly in the past two weeks. And uh, and this is the reason why he thought the schools should be closed, if not last week, certainly this week. And and, and I'm pleased to see that the public officials have, have taken that advice and have done that because – when I've looked at the at the data myself, uh, it looks to me at the, in the United States um, about two and a half weeks ago. Uh, we were only reporting about 5% of the cases that were there. And you say, well, how could I know that? And the reason I know that is I look at what the death rate, death rates were following that time, and one can back calculate to how many cases there must have been and how many were being reported. So this is a situation in which some scientific expertise can help out a whole lot in guiding public officials to know what responses to try to implement.
0: And hopefully they'll take it. I believe we have a caller waiting. Uh, Go ahead, caller. And if anybody else would like to call in, you'll be uh, just if you get a busy signal, keep trying because we have only one line into the studio. But uh, we have the capacity to have a second caller on hold, so just call, keep trying, four six nine zero five hundred. 500 Go ahead, caller, what's your name, where are you calling from?
6: Hi, Amy, it's Catherine from Appleton. Hey, Catherine. Well, I've got some advice for people.
0: Okay, as long as it's not
6: medical advice. No, 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 okay. no, 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 it's not medical yeah, advice.
0: Yeah, we're going to ask everybody to please not share medical advice no, unless you're qualified I going to
6: do say, so. there's a great YouTube channel called Learn Your Land, and it's all about... Wild edibles and what they do for the body. Now we are very um, blessed to have stinging nettle in Maine. Sometimes it's invasive, sometimes it isn't. But that is a superfood. Um, learn your land. So when when people are home with their children, you know, wear white pants because of course the ticks are now going to be appearing. But go out and teach your children, you know, about the wild edibles. And um, there's a lot of food that can be eaten. You know, if you run out of food, I mean, run out of, you know, greens and what have you. There's also, don't forget, you can sprout beans. Just get a cheesecloth and a a jar and sprout beans and you'll have alive food. Think about it. A bean is a seed. It gives everything that the plant needs in nourishment. Thus, it gives everything to us. Then I had a brilliant idea, I thought. You know, really, when you think about it, 300, what well, 330 million people in America about that, and and we were just told that um, Trump is giving 50 billion to the cruise industries, etc. 320 million dollars is nothing. Think about it. You give every single person a million dollars. They put it in the bank. The bank can lend out nine times that. That's how banks work nine times back like, and it's it's a win-win situation for everybody i'm not kidding i mean what would be what 360 or 330 million dollars is nothing what do you think of that idea amy
0: i'm guessing that won't happen it'd no, be nice if i get a million idea, dollar check
6: but uh <laughs> it's a great idea really yeah, yeah anyway yeah, all right I'm bailing out individuals rather
0: than industry that is a that is a good concept I don't yes. know if we'll see it, but I, I think there are some. Thanks thanks for your call, Catherine. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, the phone lines are open now at 469 Call in and let us know how you're coping with the coronavirus or any needs maybe that you have that you want to request from the community or if you can offer assistance to the community in some way and you want to share that, give a call. We only have about 15 minutes left to the program, so don't be shy. Call now, 469-0500. Uh, Ralph, did you uh, hear that uh we're supposed to all be getting i think it's a $1000 check now
1: well i uh i was interested in andrew yang's uh, candidacy when he was a candidate right. and uh i'm interested to see that his idea uh involving uh, some cash into citizens hands is uh getting some traction even if it's uh, under dire circumstances here so yes I, I find that i find that interesting i don't have a good handle on Uh, how the economy works well enough to have any comment on what's likely to happen over the next few months. Uh, except that uh, we're in new territory and we have to find innovative ways to survive it. And uh, I appreciate the caller uh, having some ideas for uh, some local things uh, to try to do that. the natural food, definitely.
0: And we have a caller on the line now. Go ahead. Where are you calling from? What's your first name?
7: Hi, it's the Analog Anarchist from Dover Foxcroft.
0: Hello, Mr. Analog.
7: I I have have a... I've been trying to follow this one uh, Sunday night. Uh, what exactly is the federal rate? First they said zero, then everybody's hedging it with zero, uh, near zero. As far as I've been able to figure it out, it's, it's zero, but the overnight uh, rate for bank-to-bank is now extended to 90 days, and that's a quarter point. So if anybody knows... Uh, That'd be interesting. But putting your money in the bank, if the Fed rate is zero, what are you going to get for savings interest?
0: I have seen zero
7: to 0.25. Yeah, that, that's how they're putting it now, the latest the latest one. So it, it's in a range.
0: Yeah. To be honest with you, I have no idea what it means, though.
7: <laughs> okay. So. Now, cl- closing the bars. Uh, well, I'm an anarchist, so the election <laughs> is, is a little different. But uh, uh, people who work go to the bar on Friday night, and even if you disagree with the other people, you 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 see what the other side is talking about and what their issues are, and there's kind of an interaction. If we're going to be all sequestered and only be able to use pod phones, uh, we're only going to talk to people who agree with us, and we're not going to. It, it's going to make the election different. I mean, it, it, we're, we're separated enough as it is, and and not being able to interact, you know, in with groups of people the the way we do in America to you know hash this stuff out and argue about it, maybe fist fights, but whatever. Um, It's going to be different.
1: I think it certainly will be different, but uh, difference also implies the opportunity for uh, creating something that might be better. I've been aware of uh, isolating elements of our society uh, for many, uh, many decades, uh, from whether it's... I've always thought of automobiles as isolating. I've thought of television as being isolating. Uh, certainly, the way that uh, social media works is isolating in one respect, which is that we choose uh, what kinds of people we're going to talk to when we avoid uh, the others. And uh, all of these isolating effects uh, may pale in comparison to the isolating effect required to keep us healthy, at least uh, for, for a period of time. And that uh, will certainly put a psychological strain on a a variety of people. Um, And I think that we have to pay attention on how to overcome that difficulty. But I I would encourage you to think of ways to overcome the problem that you just mentioned and and share it with us.
7: I'll I'll let the line. But Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
0: And I think we have another caller waiting, so we'll go ahead and take that call and just let listeners know. You can call 469-0500 if you'd like to join the conversation. Tell us your story, how you're coping with the coronavirus fears or any help you can offer or that you'd like to request from the community. Go ahead, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Great.
3: Yeah, thank you. I'm calling from Verona Island, and my name is Gina and I'm an acupuncturist, a licensed acupuncturist, but also a biologist. Anna, did you say? I'm, uh, yes, Dina, D I N A. Oh, Dina,
0: thank you. Yes,
3: yeah. And so um, I would love to help anybody who needs me to pick up things. Um, I'm aware of, of what's going on. I'm not cavalier about this. I'm an integrator. I'm not trying to do alternative medicine right now. I'm so grateful for this program and that and the um, WERU community. And I really like it here. <laughs> My I'm you know, very broad, and so I will jump on the Facebook group, even though I don't, you know, even though I, I, anyways, I try to from Facebook, but I'll be, I'll be good about this and I'll jump on there. But um, I thought this might be a great way to just streamline somehow and put my name out there. Um, I'm a business owner, business owner, listen to me, business member from um um for the station as well, so.
0: So, Dina, is um, there a way that you want people to get in touch with you if they if they have some needs that you might be able to help out with? Yes,
3: that would be wonderful. Um, my phone number
0: is 307-1275. Uh, 307-1275? Correct. One one two seven five. okay. Yep. All right, just yep. wanted to make sure okay. we got that in case anybody called to have a little bit of an iffy connection. But thank you for calling. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, if you're just joining us, this is Maine Currents on WERU-FM. The phone lines have just opened up, four six nine oh five hundred. We have time for a couple more calls. If you'd like to let us know how you're dealing with all of these coronavirus fears and in a practical sense, if there are needs out there in the community that you'd like to put out there and see if anybody can help you out with, or if there are things that you can help out with that you'd like to offer, give us a call, four six I'm Amy Brown here with uh, Ralph Chapman in the studio and uh, we do have another caller go ahead what's your first name where are you calling from
8: hey my name's adam i'm calling from brooks hi adam yeah i just wanted to say uh been one of the best pieces of advice i've heard is sort of considering this entire episode as you know, not as a uh, storm but as a winter so if we think of this as a winter uh, what do we do as mainers in preparation for winter you know we like fix the leaks in our house and we uh, service the furnace and we put snow tires on whereas in a storm people run to the store and they buy all the goods right Uh, so I think that's really helped me and my family consider the nature of this you know even several weeks ago preparing for uh, the eventuality of this taking a very long time right so and how do we how do we build ourselves up how do we build our immunity up Uh, what do we do for ourselves that are helpful, and I think uh, one really important thing. I'm an outdoor educator and an experiential educator, and so much of what I've been noticing the last several days are the robins outside the window. The birds are back. Um, the uh, flowers are beginning to emerge, and you know nature is chugging along. So I think it's extremely helpful for people in this moment of great sort of tumult and anxiety and fear that they're getting sprayed with uh, to just. Spend a little bit of time outside. Uh, try to acknowledge what's happening around you that isn't uh, based in disaster, even though this is a very real uh, moment that we're on. We all need to take care, and especially those that are healthy, take care of those that are vulnerable. Uh, but it's been a really nice perspective for me and my family to hold on to. And I'll get off the air. Great. Right.
0: Thanks for your call, Adam. Ralph is nodding. So am I. Yeah. Uh,
1: that was very nicely said.
0: I'm seeing more people out walking in my neighborhood. Oh, let me give the phone number one more time. Fit in one or two more calls at four six nine zero five hundred. Phone lines are open now.
1: Well, yes. So we have dogs, and one of the reasons uh, is that they need need us to walk them, and that <laughs> helps us. Uh, so we we in, enjoy that aspect of dog ownership. Um, I I think in uh, one of the public policy problems has to do with how to deal with a crisis without putting people into a a panic mode and at the same time put them into a mode of being able to deal effectively with some planning for things that are likely to happen. And I I am suspecting that that is at least part of the reason why every day has been kind of a shift in in the view of what's going to happen is that uh, people who understand a little bit more of the details of of models that, uh, although they're uncertain, they at least give some framework to what's likely to happen have been reluctant to shout that out, uh, so as not to create a, a panic situation. That's one of the a fundamental problems. Now, for myself, I I'm comforted by having the information. Uh, I know that there are other people that uh, may uh, find information uh, is, is more scary than comforting. Uh, and I, so I have to be sensitive to that, even as I've been making a few comments about uh, uh, data that I've pulled from the literature. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly happy to help. Uh, f- people locate uh, in- informative material if they're interested in looking at data and looking at uh, models and things of that sort. I'm more than happy to try to be helpful to that, but I, I don't want that to overwhelm the uh, the sense of how it is that we're going to uh, to deal with uh, this psychologically.
0: Right. And that's a, that's a huge topic because it is, I mean, it's unprecedented. That word just is been so overused but every day we have another caller on the line go ahead caller what's your first name where are you calling from
9: hi my name is benjamin i left a uh, comment on facebook but i had to stop in the store so if you if you did address it i apologize i
0: have not seen it no sorry
9: okay go ahead um, well uh, back to the uh, elections that you were talking about earlier i'm the uh, secretary for the main green independent party and incidentally i was also the legislative aide for the house green independent minority office when representative chapman had enrolled green independent
1: hi ben uh,
9: hi ralph how are you
1: good Go. And keep going
9: um i was uh commenting on the impact that the coronavirus is having on us as a party uh because we're required to hold in order to maintain our ballot line a state convention every two years our convention is currently scheduled for may 3rd and so what this this uh state of emergency has done for us is it's causing us to think about alternative ways that we might hold our convention uh by video conferencing or or somehow virtually holding our convention which julie flynn at the elections division has said is completely acceptable Um, on the positive side uh forcing us to look at increasing our participation or having an alternate means of participation in our convention, could have the positive effect of increasing participation in voting in the Green Independent Party at our convention, where we will elect, uh, uh, nominate our president and do important party business and elect uh, party leaders and so forth. So um, I don't know if we would have actually, if we hadn't been forced to, I don't know if we really would have started exploring these alternate ways of um, conducting these democratic processes as a party.
0: Well, thank, thank you for calling, Benjamin. We're just about out of time, but I mean, that's sort of, I think, in a, in a little bit of a hopeful note of some of the positives that, you know, for those of us who, and I say those of us, like I'm included, which is not a definite, but for the people who survived this worldwide, what kind of reset is this going to be and what kind of uh, positive changes may come out of it, hopefully? Uh, will yet remain to be seen. Someone posted a image of China with the factories closed down and how much the pollution has cleared up over the last several weeks uh, on social media recently and I didn't check it out to make sure that it was valid, but it seems like, you know, despite all of the bad that's about to happen, there may be some ways that the community pulls together, some ways that the environment benefits, and some ways that we reestablish some humanity with one another, hopefully. You have any last thoughts before we wrap up, Ralph? We've got about one and a half minutes.
1: Sure. Well, one thing that I'd like to do before, before we leave is uh, I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Stephen Munger. He's the scientist on MDI that uh, uh, took the effort to communicate with his local officials and give them some. Science-based information that was useful in making the decisions that they had to make. uh, The the schools closed. In in closing the schools, Um, how it is that we're going to continue to effectively uh, um, bring in the expertise that we need to guide the actions as we as we move through this? uh, It's an open question, but I uh, I I, I encourage uh, I encourage anyone and everyone to. to look for that expertise and figure out how to, how to utilize it effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, just a final thought, in the words of um, Mr. Rogers that have been used over and over again uh, in these kinds of times, look for the helpers. I mean, if you're feeling despair People like Cass and the 8,000, 12,000, however many people it's up to today, people on that uh, page should offer some hope, and there's other things happening like that around the community. So. Thanks everyone for listening today. And uh, you've been listening to Maine Currents Independent Local News, Views and Culture. I'm Amy Brown. Not sure when I'll be back or in what format. We'll be continuing to work on how we're going to keep coronavirus information out to you. And uh, so just watch our website and our social media for updates on that. We'll have recorded promos as well. Joel Mann engineered today's program. I'd like to thank also Professor Amy Freed, former State Representative Ralph Chapman, Station Manager Matt Murphy. And Cass Clem of the Maine Coronavirus Community Support Group for joining me today Stay tuned for a brief 2020 talk feature Followed by Radio EcoShock here on Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill And streaming online at WERU.org Download the app and bring us with you wherever you go Listen to the music, it's a great distraction And wash your hands
8: Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Finelli Pizzeria, 12 Downey's Highway, Ellsworth, serving thin crust pizza pies and slices, craft beers, sandwiches and subs and opening at 11 a.m. daily. 664-0230, finellipizzeria.com.